of 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas told us tough shin pay dalil. And a very, very warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you so, so much for joining us on this Erev Shabbos as we prepare ourselves for another beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. A Shabbos where we hope to be inspired, where we hope to grow, we hope to perhaps understand a little bit more about one of the most dramatic but complicated parshas in all of the Torah. This week, Be'ez Hashem, our Lima Torah is going to be, is going to be a zchus for Rufua Shleima, for Shleima Leib, Ben Etel, for Avram Rufal, Ben Sora, for Yael, Bas Yafa, for Shleima Binyamin, Ben Shoshana Pesa, and Ben Yosef Ben Tzipoira. May they all merit, may they all be zeichet to refuah shulema bekorav bekorav mamish. So the Torah tells us, Vayehav Yitzchak is Esav. Yitzchak loved Esav. Rivka hemesis Yaakov, and and Rivka loved Yaakov. So Yitzchak, Rivka, Yaakov, right? One of the most perplexing aspects of the whole Yitzchak, Rivka, Yaakov, Esav narrative is the love Yitzchak showed to Esau. We have no doubt that Yitzchak was aware of his son's errant baby. It's impossible to believe that Yitzchak did not know that. But certainly Esau's demeanor stood out in kind of stark contrast to Yaakov's behavior. Right? The, all the Mephoshim all grapple with this enigma, each expounding his own sheet, his own opinion as to how it could have could have worked. Everyone has their own sort of individual way of understanding Yitzchak Avinu's sort of positive attitude towards Esav. So Arav Mea Rubin Zal explains that we can apply two approaches to dealing with and addressing the issue of a, a recalcitrant son who has sadly gone off the derech, who has turned his back on, on, on Yiddishkeit. It all depends upon the son's attitude towards his parents. If the son holds on to a semblance of kivirovim, if his rebelliousness has not digressed to the point that he no longer shows respect to his parents, then the parents can harbor hope. Under such circumstances, it is critical that the parents maintain open and non-judgmental dialogue, show genuine interest, and listen attentively without interruption to what the child has to say. It is vital to reassure him that your love for him has not diminished and you are prepared to work with him until a reasonable solution to his issues has been agreed agreed upon. If, however, the son no longer respects his parents, shows open disdain for them and their way of life, the situation has plummeted to a nadir where leniency and, and compromise is a major, major challenge. Uh, a firm and a resolute stand must be taken. Once a child shows disrespect, negotiation is off, is off the table until the child bends and realizes that one does not treat parents in such a despicable manner. Right? Whatever Asaph was, and he was evil, right? He was sort of evil incarnate, but he still demonstrated Right. Extraordinary kibbutz of aim. Right? The Torah writes that Rivka loved a heavis Yaakov, right? Unequivocally. It was real. Concerning Yitzchak's relationship with Esau, the Torah writes, right, uh, uh, 
and he loved. Right? He he connected. See, he found a, sort of found ways, concocted ways, and reasons to show love to him. Right? With the hope that he might one day return. And that's such an important understanding for us. And you know, many of us unfortunately have children like that. Keep, the, if at all possible, if the children still have any kind of relationship. Keep those lines of negotiation. Keep those lines of respect and conversation open. And Bez Hashem, Yeshua Hashem, Kiherofayin Hashem, in one minute can turn things around. Bez Hashem will be able to have nachas from all of our children. There's one more Panana Chayfem. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a minute with much, much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. On your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas told us, Tav Shin Pei Dalit, as we prepare for another amazing, amazing Shabbos. And what a Shabbos it is. Parshas told us, it's probably one of the most dramatic Parshas in, in, in the, in the whole Torah. And there's so much in it, so relevant to us, to us today. In fact, the, the Ritva, in his commentary on the Haggadah of Pesach, on the post, it says, Yaakov. I gave Yitzchak Yaakov. He explains why the Lashkocha sort of arranged that Yaakov Avinu had to be the twin of Esau Russia. Why was it necessary that both of them should come out together? And he explains, you should know that the reality is the reason why Esav Arasha came out as a twin with Yaakov Atzalik in one womb was in order that the whole world should understand that the righteousness, the greatness of, of Yaakov Atzalik was something that he himself worked on and developed. It didn't just come some, some, uh, uh, a gift from, from, from Shemayim, nor was it just something that he inherited from his, from his parents. Right? Not from any other external source. Because he was actually in the same womb as the, as this huge Russia. And look what happened to, to Esau. Uh, sort of born under the same, so to speak, under the same, uh, uh, astrological sign. So it couldn't have been anything external. It was just Yaakov Avinu's hard work and hard uh, 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 learning of, of, of Torah. And that is that let's never make a mistake to think that Yaakov Avinu attained all of his greatness because he had a father who was a prodigious tzaddik. His father was was a oila tmim, was a, was a korban and, and he had a gzeda Avraham Avinu was a huge tzaddik. Or maybe he was born under a sign of, of, of tzikus, right? Because all of those things should have been factors also in the life of his brother Esau. And nevertheless, Esau became a Russia. The whole, all the incredible things that Yaakov achieved was only because of his hard work, because of his devotion and his dedication and his desire to connect to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to his, and to his Torah. There's another reason, perhaps also we find in, in the Sefer, I saw in the, in the Sefer, Kilas Yitzchak, uh, quoting the, the Darshim or Enu Arav Yaakov, who was the, uh, the, uh, Marit Sedek of, of Vilna. He also asked, why was it necessary for Esau to be in the same womb with Yaakov Inu? And he explains, Yaakov Inu was what he calls Kodosh Merechem. He was holy from the moment he came out of the womb. Right? And because of his great Kedusha, so it therefore emerges that any Averi he would do, even the slightest Averi he would do, right? So that, uh, that, or that, not that he would do even, but that, uh, that his mother would do while she was pregnant with him. So, uh, 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 she could not have been merited to have in her womb someone as holy as Yaakovino. In order to be uh, eligible to have, to bear a holy, holy child, then the, the bearer themselves 
must be on that on that uh, on that level. <coughs> and she might have lost the child. Right? And of course, as we know, there was no there was no one upon the earth who doeth only good and sinneth not, as the old saying uh, goes. Everyone, no one's perfect, and therefore, in order that the world should not lose Yaakov Avinu, therefore, into the same womb was put Esav Russia. And therefore, if Shalom, even if Rivka would have uh, done something uh, uh, imperfect, and, and because of some sin that she would done, she might have uh, uh, unfortunately had to uh, miscarry Yaakov. Esav would stop it. Why? Because on the contrary, uh, what? Just because Rivka did in Avera was it logical that? Just Esav should come? Well, because she did one little sin. What, did she merit to have a child like Esav? And if she would, chas uh, uh, miscarry Yaakov, so then Esav might be lost also, because they were, they were twins. And, and therefore, uh, it came out that, that Esav protected Yaakov in, in, in the womb also. Perhaps we can even give a, a, a third reason, and, and for that we need a slight uh, introduction. It's brought in the Pekir Abu Loza, uh, regarding, it says that uh, when uh, Yaakov went into to, uh, Yitzchak to get the brachas, he took the big day achamudos, the precious uh, garments of, of Esav, that we know that those emanated, they actually came from Adamorishan. And they ended up in the possession of, of Nimrod. And Rabbi Yudah says that the, the, it says that after the sin of Adamorishan, Hashem made for them kosnois or, right? Garments of, of leather that Akarish made for Adam and his wife. So they ended up with Nayak and his children, and they went with them into the Teva. And when they came out of the Teva, Cham, the son of Nayak, right, he took it with him, and he sort of passed it down in his generation, and he passed it down to Nimrod. And whenever Nimrod would wear those clothing, every animal, every wild animal that would see uh, 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 what, that which was written, right, uh, uh, would all come, and they would sort of fall down and 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 bow down before 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 Nimrod, and uh, when people would uh, would see that, that uh, they thought that this was some kind of uh, because of his great great strength, and therefore they saw him as this great warrior, and they made him. A king over them, as it says, Al Nimr was considered this incredible warrior before Akadish Baruch. And Abavadi Batinura adds in his uh, in his sefer, quoting the Medrash, that says these big dechamudas. It says in the Medrash that these were the 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 kosnais are that Akadish Baruch made for Adam Harishan. And of them were all kinds of pictures of all the different animals in the whole world. And every time that Adam would touch one of those pictures, so that particular animal would come in front of him and do whatever, whatever it is that Adam or Rishon needed. And, and these, uh, these, uh, clothing was now in the possession of, of, of Nimrod. And that's why it says he was Gibor Tzaylef Hashem. And Esav said to Nimrod, Nimrod, please lend me, uh, these, 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 uh, these garments. And Nimrod agreed and lent it to him. And, uh, as soon as he put the clothing on, Esav touched the picture of the lion and a lion appeared in front of him and he, he, uh, he tore up a Nimrod and killed him. And now Esav was the owner of all those garments. And Asa was afraid maybe his wives would take these begotten and, uh, you know, they would, uh, 
they would kill him with using one of those those pictures that were on on the begotten. And therefore, he left them with his with his uh, with his mother. And the the Sifzakayin actually tells us that what day was this that Esav killed Nimrod? He says it was the day that Avraminu died. Because the Allah is that when Avraminu, when a great Tzadik dies, all the yeshiva is closed and everyone goes to Levaya. So it was the first day that Esav was, so to speak, out of school, out of Cheder. And he decided to go off to the field. He found Nimrod and and he killed him. Why was it that Nimrod died on on this on the same day as Avram, because as far as I'm explained, that every Jew that's in the world that's adding power to the name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, there is someone else in the world who was created, so to speak, as his alter ego to try to stop him from creating the Kiddush Hashem, from developing knowledge of Hakadosh Baruch Hu in the world, and therefore when Avram died, his nemesis, so to speak, who was Nimrod also, also died. And in the same way, Asa was created to be the nemesis of Yaakovino, to stop Yaakovino from being able to do what Yaakov needed to do. And in fact, we know they also both died on the same day. And therefore was necessary that they should be created also together in the same womb so that they could perform that role of, of being antagonists to one another and, and, and of, of both of them dying on the same day. This is 101.9, Chai FM, the program of Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with much, much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9, Chai FM. 101.9, Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, air of Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Told us tough shin pedal. We are talking the Pasha. We are talking inspiration. We are talking trying to understand the events in the Pasha in light of what is going on in the world today. The Megala Mukas in several places explains to us why was Yaakov called Yaakov? Because as the Pasha says, the Yodoy Ochezes Bakev Esav, his hand was holding on to the heel of, of Esav. Why wasn't he called then Akev? Heel. Right? Why, where did he get the extra letter Yud of Yaakov? So he explains it based on what Rashi says. That why was Esav called Esav? He was already fully developed. Besaray, he had hair. Keben Shanam Harbe. Like someone who was really very, very mature. And the Rashbam says that based on this, the name Esav comes from the word Asui. He was already made, he was finished, he was complete, like someone who was already quite mature. So if so, if it comes to the name Asui, why is he then called Esav, missing the Vav, and not Asui with the letter Vav? So he says, in reality it was actually appropriate that he would have been called Osui with the Yud. However, as soon as they, as soon as they were both born, Yaakov Avinu grabbed on to his heel and took the last letter of his name, took the Yud of Esau's name, the Osui, the Yud at the end of Esau's name, and added it to his own name. And therefore, Asui went to Esav, and Akev, which would have been Yaakov's name, became Yaakov. And through that, Esav uh, 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 was left just with the name Esav. And uh, Akev, we know, is means the end. In other words, Yodai. Shall I, so, so, so Yaakov, the hand of Yaakov was holding on to the Akev of Esav, the end of his name, right, which is that last letter, that last Yud, and took it away from there. And this is hinted to in the fact that it says the Yodoi. Now Yodoi, if you swap the letters, is actually Yud. So the Yud he grabbed the Yud from the end of Esau's name and joined it to to his own name. And of course we have to understand 
Why did Yaakov grab the letter Yud uh, straight away? The talent of Elio brings that when Yaakov and Esav were in the in their mother's womb, so Yaakov said to Esav, Esav, my dear brother, right? We are both children of our father, and we have these two worlds in front of us. There's Olam Hazeh and Olam Abba. Olam Hazeh is eating and drinking. There's business. That there's marriage, there's, there's children, right? There's, there's, and, 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 uh, doesn't have any of those kind of things. Would you like to take Olam Hazeh? And I'll take Olam And how do we know that? Because it says, Yaakov says to Esau, sell me your birthright. In other words, just like we already agreed, in, in, in the womb. At that time, Esav took his portion in Olamazeh, and Yaakov took Olamaboz, his portion. And that's what the Medrash, the Medrash says. So perhaps you can explain what the Tanadivel Yo is saying, based on, on an incredible Chasm Sefer. Well, the Chasm Sefer in Torah's Moshe brings down that we know that the original plan that Akash had why Yitzchak and Rivka had two children was in fact that Yaakov Avinu and all of his descendants would be always the Mamlechas Koyim, they would be the, the, the kingdom of, of priests, they'd be Goy Kodesh, they'd be Nisila Kim, they'd be, they'd be the, the ultimate ones who carried out and fulfilled the will of HaKadosh Baruch in this world. And Esav would be like the proverbial Zavulun where he would provide all the physical needs that Yisrael needed, like Zavulun did for, for Yisachar. And therefore, all of Klai Yisrael forever would be like Rebbe in his generation, right? He would be the, the they would be dominant, they would have everything they, they needed, and all the Esavs would be like Antoninus, Mark Antony, who was there as a, as a, as the cap, as a provider of everything that he needed. Right, Rebbe was Nasir Akim. He was the Nasi of Kaisal. And Antoninus treated him with the most tremendous honor, like a student treating his Rebbe. And Rebbe also treated Antoninus with tremendous honor and respect like was due to any other Roman Caesar, because that's what Mark Antony was. But that was only the theory, and that only worked so long as uh, they were in the womb at the beginning of, of their creation. There was Shnei Geim, right? And the Rashi says, what, what's two Geim, two great uh, 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 dignified people? Rashi says, let's talk about Antoninus and, and Rebbe. But Bit nech. It was Davka while they were still in the womb. And therefore, Yaakov allowed Esau to actually go out first. And he didn't prevent him, right? Uh, and allowed Zavulin to go even before Yisachar. Because, in fact, the Torah says, Semach Zavulin B'Tseisecha. Right, Zavulin is mentioned first because it's in a certain level, Yisachar is only really able to sit and learn Torah because of the tremendous efforts of Zavulin in making sure he has whatever, whatever he needs. So therefore, Esau was allowed to go out first. But the problem was, as soon as Esau's head and most of his body went out into this world before his legs came out, uh-oh, he already fell under the control of the Yetzirah. And that's why it says, Once they come out of your womb, then it's going to be Straight away, they separated one from the other, and this one went to uh, uh, and this one went to run after the the, the pleasures of, of this world. And the Pesikta brings down that as soon as uh, uh, they left the room, so so uh, 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 he kind of ruined 
his mother's womb as he was going out, and his mother would never be able to have another child. And that's why it says, the He made sure that Rivka would never have another child. And therefore, Then his brother came out, Now, Esav, uh, Yaakov was holding on for dear life. He wanted to stop him, that he shouldn't be able to go out first. Because he's not going to be a Zavulan. He's not going to be a, a second in command who works for the benefit of Yaakov. He's going to do his own thing and, and, and run after the physical, physical things. And therefore, Yaakov really comes before him. The Chassam Sefer carries on, based on this, on this concept, to explain the reason why Yitzchak Avinu, why he chose to give the bracha to Esav and not the bracha to, to, to Yaakov Avinu. And he says, because when Yitzchak gave birth to Yaakov and Esav, Right? Who mentioned the Pasha. So Yitzchak thought, now has come the time. Right? And, and, and hopefully that's what Akkadish Baruchu desires, that all the bracha that, I, that was given to me by my father should all be fulfilled in the seed of Avram. One will be Yisachar and one will be Zavon. And when he saw Yaakov was Ishtam Yoshev Oyelim, that Yaakov was sinning and, and learning Torah, he knew that he would be, that, uh, that he would fulfill the role of Avram Avinu, right? And he doesn't need the brachas of, of this world, because he's gonna give brachas to everybody else, and he's gonna seal like him, he doesn't need the brachas of this world. And when he saw Esau, Going out to the field and bringing all all the meat and everything, and and that's and providing for him. So he saw, oh, this is exactly the role of Zebulun, right? And and he's he's going out and providing for me, and that's exactly what Hakadosh Baruch wanted, right? That all the brachas should go to the seed of 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 Avram, right? There should be both of them. Uh, 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 will be blessed. Both of his children will be blessed as, as Avram's, as Avram's children. And then when he saw that, that Esav came out first, he saw this as a kind of an indication that Akkadish Baruch was smiling upon this relationship, that, that, uh, Esav would come out and be the, the, do I see the aides of camp, the support of Yaakovinu, and Yaakovinu would be the one who sits, who sits and, and, and learns, and therefore, Yitzchak wanted to give all the physical blessings, mitala to Esav, so that Esav had the means to then provide for, for Yaakov Avinu. Now the Rikanti brings down, it says that, uh, but when Esav came, this food says, vayas kamhu matamim. He also made tasty foods. And the Rikanti comments that when Esav went out to hunt, all the animals ran away. And no one presented himself to be taken by Esav, until finally he found a dog, and and he killed it, and that's what he brought to to uh, Yitzchak to eat. And perhaps you can explain this based on what the Chassam Sefer is saying. Why was it that Akadosh Baruch Hu organized that Esav should bring his father a dog? Because the whole reason why Yitzhak had chosen to give the brachas to Esau was because he thought that he was a zvulin to Yaakov. And therefore in Shemayim, they, they, they orchestrated that he should actually bring his father a dog. Because the Gemara says, the Gemara Nadarim says about a dog, that a dog represents someone who is a complete, complete taker, and never gives anything, which is the opposite of a king. In other words, to reveal to Yitzchak Avinu that Esau is a dog who just takes everything himself and doesn't give anything, and therefore he has no no right uh, to support Torah. He's not going to use the gashmis that he has to support Torah learning. He's going to keep it all for himself, and therefore he's not deserving at all of, of the brachas. So therefore we can explain the words of the Megal Amukas. Why did Yaakov Avinu take the letter Yud from Esav? Because the Gemara Menachas and Davchav Tes says on the Pasuk, Ki Hashem, 
Tzur Oilamim. So it says that Oilam was created with the letter Hey, and Oilam was created with the, with the letter Yud. So therefore it comes out that the letter Yud represents Oilam and originally, Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted to give Esav his portion in Olam Abba because if he if he faithfully supported and looked after and helped Yaakov Avinu, he was then deserving of of of, of getting Olam Abba also. In fact, the Gemara says that that uh, that uh, that uh, Zavulim gets a huge huge reward for aiding and abetting and and supporting the 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 Torah study. Of, of, of Zavulim. And therefore, his original name should have been Osui with the letter Yud. However, Esav, as soon as he left his mother's womb, became absolutely clear that he was not prepared to do this, that he completely sort of, uh, uh, ruined his mother's womb and was just interested in himself. Therefore, uh, uh, Yaakov said, no, 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 you're not gonna be merit any portion in Alamaba, and therefore straight away, Yaakovinu took away the letter Yud from his name by holding on to his heel, and that's why he, he became a self missing the Yud, because Yaakov had kidnapped that Yud, because Esav no longer deserved it. Therefore, later on, when in, uh, in Pashas Vayishlach, where the angel of Esav meets Yaakovinu, so he, he, uh, he injures Yaakovinu's thigh. And as our Kodesh explains, that the Kavani is that he injured the, the, those who support the, the In other words, uh, 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 himself was not Zaycheh to be the supporter of Torah. However, not only would he himself not be the supporter of Torah, but he made sure that other people would also not be able to support Torah. The Malach injured the supporters of Torah, created a weakness in the supporters of Torah. So not only would he not support Torah, but no one else would be tempted. And that's why it's so difficult even today for people, for your Shishivas, for Torah institutions to raise money, because it's hard to find people who are prepared to support, to support Torah. That was all done by, by the, uh, by the Malach. Perhaps you can, uh, 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 explain further also. Like, uh, like Yitzchak Ovinu. So we find in the Torah many, many people who give brachas to their children before, before they die. Right? We know Yaakov Blesses his children who are gathered around his, his beds before, before he dies. We know Yosef blesses his children, Ephraim and Menashe. And we know Meshrabbeinu gathered all the tribes of Kaiso and blessed them all just before they went into Eretz Israel. However, the bracha of Yitzchak to his children is is a bracha that we don't find. It's it's a unique bracha. We don't find anywhere else in the Torah that dying uh, leaders gave their children this bracha. Why? Because this bracha is dependent on a very very strange condition. Right? It's on on the condition that uh, 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 that he would be able to bless others. In other words, Yitzchak asks Esav that he should prepare him a food. Why? Make me this yummy food. that I love. And bring it to me. And I'll eat it. So that I should be able to give you a bracha of a teremomus. Right? We don't want anyone else needed to have a, 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 a fancy meal before they could give they could give brachas. Why was it necessary for Yitzchak Avinu to to uh, have Esau prepare all this food before before uh, before you would give him the bracha? And the explanation is written by Avinu Bechaya that obviously 
Yitzchak never intended when he asked for the yummy food for his physical pleasure and because he wanted something to sort of, you know, tickle his, his palate. But what he wanted was that his neshama should be in a state of, of joy, of, of pleasure because in, when, when you strengthen the physical kaychas, so that also arouses the kaychas of the neshama. And when the neshama is in an elated state, then the Ruach HaKadosh comes. As the Gemara says in, in Shabbos, that the Shekinah only dwells not when a person is lazy and not when a person is sad, only in Mitoch Simcha. As it says, by Elisha, it says, when the musician was playing music, then then he was endowed with the divine spirit, with the, with the, with the Shekinah. And therefore, it mentions several times in, in, in the, uh, in, in, in the Pasuk, the, the whole concept of the Neshama together with the Bracha. It says, So my Neshama should be able to bless you. And again, it says again, several times. And then again, at least three times, it mentions the concept of the Bracha coming from the, the Neshama. And the reason why Yitzchak wanted the, the fancy food in order to make his neshama happy. So why didn't he ask for music like like Elisha did, right? Which was the meaning of, of the Nevi'im. And that was because he understood that he was going to give him a bracha of physical things. Talashamayim, the dew and, and, the, and the fat of the land and lots of grain and, and things and, and wine. And therefore he wanted the 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 reason, the motivation for his simcha should be from physical things also, and therefore you'd be empowered to give him the brachas of, of physical, of physical things. And although when Yaakov blessed his children and Moshe blessed all of Kleisel, he also was giving out some physical blessings too. We don't find that either Yaakov or Moshe asked for a good meal before he gave the bracha. The reason is that that Esau was being taught here by Yitzchak. In the same way as I'm asking you for good food now, you have to realize your entire mission in this world is to feed, to look after Yaakov Avinu, and then you can get your, your, you can fulfill your mission and get your Elam Haba. But if not, and you have no right to, to Elam Haba. And that's Dafka why he wanted the physical food before, before he gave him the, the bracha. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchah Shabbos spot. This is Hilchah Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas told us tough Shin Pei Dalit. Thank you for all those who joined us at this point on the show. Thank you, thank you for tuning in on whatever kind of device you are, wherever you might be in the entire Jewish world as you prepare for another beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. Pashas told us Shabbos, of course, will be cognizant of the difficult situation that so many of Achille B'nai Yisrael find themselves in, and we take that into account, and it's in our thrillers, and it's in our learning, and it's in our minds, all all the time as we prepare for, for Shabbos, as we always do at this time on the show, just to give you the important times and details you might need for this Shabbos. So this afternoon, the earliest time, to Ben Schlich to get your Shabbos candles up and going is at 12 minutes past 5. 5, 12 is the earliest time you can light your Shabbos candles. And again, if we're trying to do a little bit extra, trying to do a little bit better, and let's go for a little bit earlier. Let's see if we can't get our, our candles on earlier. Let's see if we can't get Shabbos, the Kedusha of Shabbos, the Avira of Shabbos, the atmosphere of Shabbos, the glow of Shabbos, into our home a little bit earlier than usual. Yes, it's a little bit of pressure, but if we're organized and we sort of sort ourselves out, we can definitely do it in, in, in the right, in the right time. So let's, let's go for that. If you can't make the earliest time, well, then the next option is, of course, the latest time, the latest time for 
benching Lichtes Shabbos is at 6.17, 17 minutes past 6. Although many, many communities at this time of year, sort of for the next four months, take on as accepting Shabbos at quarter past six, standard Johannesburg summertime. It's not a big difference this week, two weeks, two, two minutes. But of course, it will get to a point where it's about half an hour, 35 minutes, uh, a difference as we get deeper into into summer. So those whose communities accept Shabbos at 6.15, then try to do it by then. 6.17 is the latest. Please make sure that definitely your candles are lit. Shabbos is all organized and done in your home. By then, do not rely on the time after lift benching. Yes, that is emergency time, only time in situations where a person really has no option of being able to ready on time. It's an emergency. Then, of course, one has that extra time all the way until Shkia. Shkia uh, tonight is at 6.35, 25 to, to 7. And that's the absolute latest. Everything's got to be in place by then. Come what may, may come what, whatever it might be. By that time, Shabbos has to start. In, in our, in our, uh, in our homes. If you want to be able to daven myriv and, uh, not have to repeat the Krishna before one has one's Shabbos meal, so one has to wait till 6.53. 6.53 is already nightfall, and, uh, and therefore you can daven myriv after that time, and then obviously sit down with one's family to a beautiful Shabbos meal where we can share some Songs, some zmiras, some divaytera, some events of the of the week, some strong inspiration for all of us that we can feel sort of that we want to make this Shabbos a very very special Shabbos in honor and in achdos together with all of our brethren, all of the yidden all over the all over the world, make it a really really a special intense kind of tuned in sort of a, a Shabbos tomorrow morning, of course. We're going to be learning. Pasha's told us, as we've spoken uh, before, dramatic Pasha of of the Torah and the prescribed half Torah is the half Torah of of Pasha's. Of Pasha's told us as we're moving slightly close already to Hanukkah, already in Chodesh, in Chodesh Kislev, another approximately three weeks until until Hanukkah, till Hanukkah starts, um, and and uh, Shabbos Kodesh proceeds uh, normally. Uh, Shabbos Kodesh actually ends tomorrow night at 10 minutes past 7. 7.10 is the end of Shabbos. We have a nice, nice long afternoon. Lots of time to have a little bit of a shloff and maybe a walk and some time with friends. And of course, time to sit down and, and study some Torah because that's what Shabbos is for. Shabbos is really for people who don't have time during the week. We're all busy doing all kinds of things during the week. But Shabbos is no excuse well, we can't put aside some serious time to to study and learn and learn some some uh, some Torah. We are learning the laws of Bayer of separation on Shabbos, and until this point, we've been speaking virtually exclusively about the issue of separating in 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 the terms of of foods and and eating. But of course, Bayer is an all inclusive malacha and doesn't limit itself to just uh, food, and the Yisrael Bayer applies in all sort of types of area and many, many other arenas. For instance, uh, in sorting uh, uh, books or utensils or, or clothing, all of those, as Mission Bo brings, all those fall into the category of, of, uh, of Bayer. And all the principles and all the rules that we've already said regarding Bayer as applying to to foods, so they all take effect and they're all relevant also when we talk about any other type of a mixture. In other words, uh, you're allowed to take from within any mixture something that you want to use right away. Why? Because taking that item out is is not being done as a as a as a method of work, but it's that this is the way you want to use that arm. I need that arm and that item now, and therefore I'm doing what I need to do to get it and make it available to me. 
but it has to be for immediate use. I cannot take it out in order to use it later on. Similarly, it would be, uh, would be also to sort a, a mixture of things. And certainly, it would be forbidden to take out of any mixture the things that you don't want, the pastoralists, just like we said by food, that's also equal, uh, equally forbidden by any other type of situation. Let's take an example. Let's say you have uh, 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 kids, kids' toys, and they're different kinds of blocks that are that are mixed together in one box. So you're not allowed to sort, not allowed to separate the two the two games. But let's say they want to play now with one type of block. So they're allowed to take out of the mixture that type of block that they want to use now. Because that's not sorting as a malacha, as a, as a matter of, of, of work, but I want to use this now. I want to play with this game now. And therefore, as I want to play with this game, I want these particular toys. Right? I can't, I can't start the game until I've selected the pieces and the items that are part of that game. So I have to take the things that I want, the special things for my game, that I'm allowed to take out and prepare to use right, right, right now. Right? Same thing would apply to cutlery. If I have, let's say, knives and forks and, and spoons that are all mixed together in one big mush, right, on the table, so the the Isser of Boirer would apply to that. And even though they're quite big, right, and it's quite easy to see what's a knife and what's a fork and what's a spoon, nevertheless, when they're all mixed together, when there are many of them together, they're considered as a mixture. Therefore, you're not allowed to sort them and place each type of cutlery by itself. But... What I can do, after, let's say, I, uh, I, I've washed all my cutlery, the meal's over, I've washed all the, all the cutlery, it's all in the draining board, so I can, I can take, I can dry all the, I can dry each, let's say, knife separately, and I can put it in its straw, in its compartment. As I dry each thing and I'm putting it down, I can put it down where it needs to put, put down, because in such a way, I'm not sort of, uh, uh, choosing the, the utensil from the mixture in order to sort it. But as it comes into my hand, I'm taking it into my hand random, right? In order to dry it. And once I've dried it, once it's in my hand, now I'm allowed to put it down. And since I'm putting it down, I can put it down in the right compartment in, in the drawer. And, that, and that's not called <coughs> boiler at, uh, at, at, at all. Okay, we're going to carry on with this topic in another couple minutes. In the meantime, we'll have a bit of a break. And this is 101.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM Salt and Salt Back on your radio Shabbos Kodesh Bashes Toldos Tov Shin Pei As we conclude our show We are talking about Boirer Separation Amongst Vessels So let's say you have a whole lot of uh, of uh, Cutlery mixed together And now you want to set the table For the upcoming meals Coming right now So there You're allowed to take The whole mixture And to place By each plate all the kale that you need for, for that meal. Because that's not called a selection, but it's preparing the table for the meal. And again, provided that it's done right near the suda, there I can take, I can, I can separate and take the cutlery that I need in order to set the table uh, properly. Let's say I have books, I have svarim, so there is also a, a situation of buyer. Let's say, for example, let's say the, all the chumashim, uh, got mixed together in one big pile. And uh, the Gaba wants to take, let's say, for those for people who are davening, a particular chumash, right? It's chumash braces, and all the chumash braces are all mixed together. So he wants to take out all the braces. So you're not allowed to take from the mixture 
the chumashim that he doesn't need, take out all the shmoises and leave the brachuses, right? And similarly, you're not allowed to take out from the mixture the chumashim that you need if it's going to be a long time before the davening. But let's say right near the davening or right near the laning, you'll be allowed to remove from the mixture the chumashim that you need for that Shabbos. Because that's not called boira, that is taking what you need for, for to learn with. Now let's say you have a, a, a swarm on a shelf. So that's not called mixed together because I can see each one. And therefore, I can person to prepare for himself the forum that he's interested in learning, uh, let's say, even if he's going to be learning from them later, because that's not called boira, so it doesn't need to be done straight away. Now, if someone is learning from many, many different svarim, so he's allowed to put them back in the, in the cupboard on, on Shabbos in order to sort of keep it in, in, uh, in, in order, and since they, they, he's returning them, so then you can put each safer back in its, in its, uh, place, as Hashem Zamarabach says, and that's not a problem at, uh, at all. Okay, that's really all the time we actually have this, this Friday. Shoot, time seems to go faster every single week, and there's no time to get everything done, but I really, really appreciate that all of you have been listening, all of you have been part of the show. I really, really would appreciate if someone has a comment, uh, uh, sort of a, a way of perhaps making the show better, or a compliment, either one is, is so important and so valued, just know that someone is actually out there listening, we're really, really, you can do it via the station, you can do it to me uh, directly, thank you, thank you for being part of us, I want to wish each and every one of you a beautiful, beautiful gebench to Shabbos, Shabbos full of Simcha, Shabbos full of Manucha, Shabbos full of Einig, Shabbos full of being close to one's family and friend and feeling close to all of Achene B'nai Yisrael all over the world and especially in Eretz Yisrael to each and every one of our radio family a good good bench to Shabbos. <laughs>